0: Well, good early afternoon to everyone on the call and also to everyone listening live to today's event. Thank you again for joining us for today's Blogger Media Roundtable. Today we have with us Sergeant Major of the Army Raymond F. Chandler III, and he is here to discuss and take your questions on tomorrow's Army-wide suicide Down. Before we open the floor for opening statements, we have a few housekeeping items, as always. Um, once the floor is open for questions, please state your name and blog or organization affiliation clearly. Also, we ask that you keep your questions succinct and to the point. If you're not actively participating in the conversation, please keep your phone on mute to eliminate any background noise. With that being said, Sergeant Major Chandler, we open the floor to you for any opening statements.
1: Well, thank you. First, I'd like to thank everybody that's uh, chosen to participate today, uh, and this is a very important issue for our Army. As a Sergeant Major of the Army, it's my privilege to, to see our soldiers and families who are serving at home and around the world. You know, and the Chief of Staff of the Army asked me to meet Uh, with as many as possible to ensure that they are doing what they should for the Army and the nation. Every place I go, you can't be uh, but amazed at what our soldiers and their families and our Department of the Army's civilians are doing every single day. Their professionalism, their dedication, and their sacrifice really do make them what I would consider to be the top 1%. Our Army is, uh, quite frankly, the best trained, the best equipped, the best-led force our nation has ever seen. and our families are really the strongest and most resilient in the nation, and our civilian workforce is really second to none. So I'm really, truly proud of this team we call the United States Army. Another more important part of my visits is to ensure the Army and the nation are addressing our soldier and family needs, and today I'm here to speak to you about one area that has truly gotten our attention and we're heavily focused on, and that's suicide. As you well know, the uh, Army suicide rates in the nation uh, and and the nation are continuing to increase. And following the release of the July Army suicide figures, the Army Vice Chief of Staff of uh, General Lloyd Austin Uh, recommended to the Chief of Staff of the Army and the Secretary of the Army that we have a suicide stand on, which they uh, approved. This day will be our opportunity to focus attention on solutions aimed at helping individuals build resilience, strengthen their life coping skills, and address the stigma associated with asking for help. The nation has asked our soldiers to carry a heavy load over the last 11 years, and they have not failed but suicide is an enemy we have yet to defeat. This battle is one we have yet to engage in every single day. Our ultimate goal is to change the mindset across our force and society at large to see behavioral health as a routine part of what we do and who we are as we strive to maintain our physical and mental wellness. And I'd like to leave you with this one thought. You know, being a soldier and what we ask soldiers to do is probably the highest level of performance that we will ask any human being. At the end of the day, a United States Army soldier is asked to close with and destroy the enemy, and that means ultimately taking another human being's life. If you are a civilian uh, police officer in any community around the United States, if you draw your weapon and shoot it, you are going to see behavioral health care. Because we recognize that that act is one that places extreme stress on an individual. For our Army and its culture, that we will routinely ask you to close with and destroy the enemy, to kill someone, uh, we are going to culture that says that behavioral health is an integral part of maintaining what we ask you to do as a United States Army soldier. So with that... I look forward to your questions over the next 25 to 30 minutes. Cool.
0: Thank you, Sergeant Major. We will now open the floor for questions, and we will begin with Tom.
2: Uh, yes, sir. Uh, my name is Tom Goring from Navy Cyberspace. Uh, many many potential uh, mental health issues uh, exist for, of course, in the circumstances that you're talking about of, of going out and being close up and defeating, destroying the enemy. Uh, PTSD is also one of those. During uh, To this day, I I went to a conference last month uh, with other military bloggers, and the topic of PTSD, of course, came up, and the stigma that's attached to reporting it, uh, that you may have it or that you have the symptoms of it, and how do you get better, um, coming in through promotion to just daily living within the the unit that you're in. What changes are going to be made within the Army to ensure that those stigmas, no matter what the mental health issue, even suicide ideations and actions, potential actions, uh, what's going to change, sir? Thanks. Yeah, great
1: great question, and I appreciate it. I I think the first thing uh, that we are working towards in reducing the stigma for post-traumatic stress and, frankly, for any issue surrounding asking for help is to say it is a a, uh, source of strength to ask for help. It is recognizing that it takes strength to say, I need some help, and we are all about being strong in the Army. Personally, uh, one of the things that I do is to talk about my own personal experience with with post-traumatic stress, with traumatic brain injury, and its impact on me as a soldier, as a husband, as a father, and as a human being. And more leaders uh, are starting to step forward and talk about their experience to lead by example and change in the culture of that. There is absolutely nothing wrong uh, with stepping forward and uh, to say that uh, I need some help. We've got a tremendous amount of resources across the Army uh, to help, uh, but the first act is to really say I need some help or for a loved one or friend to say, you may have some issues. Let's talk about getting some help. So, I think that's really the big change that you'll see: talking about it, uh, continuing to promote uh, the uh, many different resources that are available to help soldiers and families, and then uh, to really show that it is an example of strength to say that uh, I've gotten help and/or I need help and to seek it.
3: Thank you. Thank you, uh,
0: Dale. Did you have a question?
3: Uh, thank you, Sergeant Major, for taking your time. This is Dale Kissinger from MilitaryAvenue.com. Uh, my question concerns after shoulder-to-shoulder, after the, tomorrow's stand-down. What does the Army plan to do to continue the momentum that you that you gain from taking the time off to uh, meditate, think about, reflect um, about our our friends, our losses, et cetera? How do we maintain that kind of momentum that we get?
1: Well, I, I can be... Uh... Quite honest with you, that that was part of a discussion that we just had uh, before I came in and participated in the uh, uh, in this roundtable with y'all. A- and I know that uh, specifically the vice chief of staff of the Army, who is leading the Army's effort on on suicide, you know, uh, has a forum with the most senior leaders in our Army. Uh, we're talking, you know, the commanding general of the United States Army Pacific, Eighth Army, usurer. Forces Command, TRADOC, you know, the most senior elements of our Army every single month uh, to review where we stand with policy and program changes. You know, the Chief uh, has given some very specific guidance on on the way ahead, which he'll discuss in more detail tomorrow. Uh, But uh, I see this as continuing to grow across the Army and from the Department of the Army level You know, what things do we need to change inside of the institution to create this culture where, you know, it's a uh, position of strength to ask for help, that the programs and policies or the programs are accessible and uh, visible to our soldiers, and that our first-line junior leaders who are truly the first line of defense uh, for suicide are fully aware of what's out there and their responsibilities, and that uh, we make it as easy as possible for them to help their soldiers get the help they need. You'll you'll see a continued emphasis, as has been over the last several months, actually, uh, to continue to push this. You know, the the suicide stand down tomorrow is really uh, the first phase of a series of things that we'll be doing, and uh, I'm sure that the vice and uh, uh, Public Affairs will be issuing some further uh, information on on the way ahead as we move through this. I'm excited about it, though, because I really start to see some traction around the force about uh, it's okay to seek help, and, uh, and that's really a big deal for us.
4: Thank you very much, sir.
1: Yes, sir.
0: Joyce, did you have a question? Joyce
3: from
4: Stars and Stripes. Uh, Pauline, did you have a question? Yes, I do. Um, can you uh, please give us some details on the stand-down itself? Is it part of the day, all of the day, where will it be held, and a little bit of detail about the types of activities, powerpoint speeches, questionnaires, what will what will the activities be? Well,
1: you know, from a Department of the Army perspective here in the National Capital Region, uh, you know, for the Army uh, in the morning, there will be a, uh, a in-depth leader-led uh, uh, session hosted by the Chief of Staff of the Army. And then in the afternoon, at the directorate level, uh, there will be additional training that goes on uh, based off of what the uh, earlier session for the Executive Forum has done. Across the Army, uh, we've given some uh, guidance uh, to focus on some tasks, and we've left it to the commanders to then develop how they're going to implement them. So, you know, uh, we just heard from uh, some things that United States Army Europe did actually on the twentieth of September because they needed to do theirs earlier because of some training requirements that they had across uh, United States Army Europe, and uh, they did a lot of a lot of things. They did. Uh, uh, two hours' worth of uh, uh, discussion with uh, Lieutenant General Hurtling and Command Sergeant Major Davenport that was across cross-use uh, using both uh, live and also uh, Facebook and text messaging for folks to be able to call in. They had such a great success for an hour-long session, they had to extend it to two. Uh, they, they've done tremendous work with going to uh, remote locations to resident experts were available, things as basic as a terrain walk, where you would take uh, the leader, uh, would take his subordinates to the different locations where care is available so that not only do you know where it's at, but you actually meet the person that is going to be providing the care and establish that relationship. Uh, Because a big part of this is about relationship building and and, uh, establishing an element of trust not only between the soldier and their leader, but with the other organizations on post that are committed to taking care of and, and helping soldiers. So uh, it, it is at the installation level across our Army and uh, where, what it is and where the activity is going to take place, but it's about uh, reducing the stigma, uh, building trust, and, and helping soldiers' are, uh, awareness of programs that are out there and, and gaining some uh, resilience in, in the force.
4: And the guidance was that it would last a full day or part of the day?
1: Uh, it's a full day's worth of training.
4: And there are except- any exceptions on locations? I know you said some have already held them. Probably well, yes. Uh,
1: you know, there are, there are some units that may have to do the training over two days. So, for instance, let's say that at a hospital, uh, there may be training at a hospital that takes place one full day and then they'll conduct the training for the other portion of the staff you know, at, at, on another day with the same level of training, but because they still have a you know a mission that needs to be accomplished, like provide care to patients, uh, then they are going to have to juggle uh, splitting the training or the resources in between two.
2: Okay. Uh, you know,
1: the National Guard and Reserve uh, also are going to be conducting the training, and the Army Reserve actually uh, uh, started uh, last month and working through. And the Guard will have their training uh, also on their next drill period. So not everybody in the uh, Guard and Reserve is actually going to conduct a, gr- a drill on Thursday, but they'll do it over a weekend session, uh, and they'll report that back up through the chain when complete.
4: And, sir, I remember, um, last night a, a chain teach a few years ago for PTSD and TBI, but has there ever been a stand-down for suicide? I mean, why before? Or... PTSD or anything, you know, mental yeah, health I, related?
1: I don't have the exact data on my hand, but I know I know that we've done suicide stand-downs in the past, and we've also done, you know, other chain teaching uh, or stand-downs when we have a, you know. For instance, we, we've had issues with uh, accidental deaths with, with car accidents, so we may have done, you know, a um, uh, a risk uh, suicide stare desk, uh, risk stand-down for automobile accidents because it's such a, a large issue for us as an Army. The, the thing that's important to understand is, is that the Army has decided that this issue is so important to us that we're, we're going to devote an entire day uh, out of 365 days in a year. We're taking a day that was otherwise devoted to something else. We say that's not as important as this and then move forward with with an action plan, which is very comprehensive, you know, over the next several months to uh, capitalize on what we kick off starting tomorrow.
4: Thank you, sir.
0: Um, Karen, did you have a question? Yes, I did. Uh,
5: Thank you, Sergeant Major. Um, I actually went to some training on Monday, and I went to training in the last week uh, on Belvoir, and I don't know if you read Christy Kaufman's op ed in the Army Times yesterday. She asked a question, and I've been asking it at the training sessions. What about the family members? The only time we are mentioned is think of what your suicide would do to your family member, or have your family member keep an eye out for you. And I'm wondering why family members have not been included. In our command, I asked, and I was told, well, they can attend if they want to. No invitation was made, no, no specific program, you know, a set-aside, here's, here's where you can get help. I just heard from one friend who told me he can't get help on post. He has to go off post. Is there any contemplation of doing something for family members? That would be well on I think
1: that uh, you know we can we are going to continue to, to provide uh, opportunities for family members uh, I mean uh, you did hit the nail on the head uh, any family member participation is voluntary uh, if we've got a trouble uh, problem communicating to our family members on the availability of some uh, resource or training, then, you know, we've got to get better in that. And I would be happy, you know, offline if you'd like to get with uh, uh, the public affairs team here to see how we can try and make this better. Uh, But I know that we aggressively pursue trying to get family members engaged. And, uh, you know, we're always looking for ideas on how to make that better. I'm not sure what you mean about a, uh, a family member not getting... Here on post. So uh, could you elaborate on that a little bit?
5: Yes, sir. Um, I hear this all the time. Um, the MFLEC is too busy. I can't get any mental health um, coverage. I can't get any mental health treatment on post. All of the slots are filled by uniformed service members. We understand that uniformed service members come first. We've, we always have as, as a group of, of family members. But when you are told flat out don't bother trying to get help at behavioral health and a lot of people unfortunately don't know that EAP is available for them. That's that's a totally different education problem. But they are told you need to call military one source and go through them only, that there's nothing on post. And that is that barrier is sometimes it's very uncomfortable for people if they are new to a post and they don't know anyone off post. Or if, if you're overseas and you don't speak the language, if you're in Germany and you don't speak fluent German, you can't go see a civilian because they don't speak English or their English right, is but, not but
1: having been not over in Germany and discussed this issue, as it is in the States... Uh, you, the first step is to see your primary care manager who then will get you a referral, uh, whether it's in the network or out of the network, is based off of availability. And that applies to not only uniformed service members but families. In my own personal case, I was referred out to the network uh, for almost an entire year for my own behavioral health-related issues. So I can understand that, but it's about access and availability to care. And if you can't get the care within a certain time frame, then we're going to refer you out to the network so that you can get the care you, you, you need. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's an issue specifically around Fort, Fort Belvoir with access to care, I'd like to be able to uh, you no, know, get sir, some feedback was, from you on that, and we can get on, that into General Belvoir, hands, the Surgeon this General, was, to see if there is uh, you know a breakdown someplace.
5: Yeah, this was, uh, this, and if
1: there is, then we're going to solve that. Uh, thank and, you, sir. This
5: was not on Belvoir. This was um, okay. someone uh, at another post. Um again, it would have been, if we have another one of these, could I suggest for Suicide Prevention Month that we specifically tell family members they're welcome? Because I didn't see it in any of the invitations to any of the stand-downs. So that would just be my personal wish. Okay,
1: sure. We're going to absolutely do that. I know that we put it out that family members were invited uh, if we didn't do a good job of getting that communicated down to the lowest level, then we've got to do better, and uh, and we will. But I appreciate you, your sir. feedback and your candor. Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am.
0: Thank you. Uh, Michelle, did you have a question?
3: I do indeed. Thank you, Master Sergeant. Uh, I'm going to pick up exactly primarily where Karen left off, putting a little different twist on this, though. The family members for many and all of the single who do not have the spouse, children, but they are in one of the bases, their extended family members, moms, brothers, sisters, dads, who are very fluent with the behavior of the soldier, are those who also need like training, just like the stand-down would consist of. My question is this would not be because naturally the families are not on base. They're not there to participate. But they do live nearby. Every state in the country has the VA, which has partnered with the DOD and the VA have partnered together. Is there any way to reach your public affairs, as you mentioned, to begin another phase for you all, that we could partner with the Army to do more than just a once-a-year stand-down, but to work with them to have someone from the Army component come in and work with these family members to teach them and educate how to all of what the stand-down consists of, the teaching, the training, the learning, the, the behavioral that goes along with this.
1: Well, I'd be happy to... Uh... You know, when we finish up here this afternoon is uh, speak with the Vice Chief of Staff of the Army about how we're going to reach out to our uh, uh, family members that may out be you know for our single soldiers or uh, others that uh, may not be married and how we may work to engage with them. You know, I think one of the challenges is is uh, you know it, our soldiers you know have to be willing to talk to their family members about what's going on and that the Army can, can do a lot of things in communicating what's up. Uh, one of the things, though, is a personal responsibility that, uh, you know, Sergeant X, who may not be married but whose parents live in, in Virginia, uh, inviting them to be a part of the process. And that's really that cultural change that we talked about, about uh, it's okay to seek help. You know, a subset set of that has to be that it's also okay to talk to your family members about it and to invite them to be a part of the conversation. And uh, It is.
3: I I do believe that some part of this, all the lessons that we need to learn and are learning every day from the last 10 plus or minus years of these two wars, is when Mm. they do come home, it's that transitional change, or when they come home on their leave.
1: Yeah, and I understand that, uh, except, you know, more than 50% of the suicides are soldiers who have never deployed.
3: Exactly. We don't want to hang our hat on
1: just because they deployed. Uh, That's where our challenge is. Our challenge is is with each of the 200-plus suicides in every incident, it's an individual issue.
3: Yeah, it's teaching the individual soldier that, A, it is okay to reach out in spite of the stigma, and it's most important in their own for themselves as well as anyone around them that they do reach out and, and really impress upon the leadership to impress to them. Put that stigma aside. It has to go away. Mm-hmm. Because with the stigma, and it still exists, that is part of the problem, but we have to get past that. And the individual leadership on all of the command levels need to impress upon that repeatedly if need be. Let them know it will not affect your behavior, your status. It will not. We want to help, not do harm.
1: Absolutely. I agree
0: with you 100%. Thank you. Um, Lance, did you have
2: a question? Yes, ma'am. Sergeant Major, this is Lance, Army Times. How are you?
0: Doing great. Lance, how
2: are you, Ben? Uh, every day's a holiday here, sir. I haven't talked uh, to you for a while, Lance. <laughs> curious to know uh, what your satisfaction level is with the number and quality of behavioral health uh, individuals and uh, programs and Resources are uh, that's available to your soldiers today.
1: I'm not sure I'm ever going to be satisfied until we don't have any other, don't have a suicide, until we don't have a suicide, and we have a culture uh, with an army that it's okay to reach out for help. Uh, that our leaders understand their responsibilities. I'm not going to be satisfied, and I don't think anybody else in the army would be satisfied. The first thing, though, is that we have tremendous uh, behavioral health care specialists that serve our Army right now. You know, I would place our medical community, uh, Army medicine, against anybody else in the world. And uh, we've learned some very uh, valuable lessons over the last uh, 11 years now, and uh, they do a tremendous job. We have challenges with uh, the amount of behavioral health care providers. We're in competition with the other services and the rest of the nation. And so we continue to try and work for ways to bring more behavioral health care persons on board and then to get them to where they need to be. I think one of the most exciting things that we've done just recently is to to, uh, Start with our embedded behavioral health care and pushing that down to the brigade level. And, uh, you know, we're starting to see that movement down into the brigades. And that relationship building that, that we talked about earlier between, you know, the soldier and, and, and their leader and their health care provider, that there is care available and here's where it is and it's easier to get to, it's easier to access, and uh, the stigma and the walls start to break down. So I'm not satisfied and that's because we still continue to have suicides. I, I'm not going to be satisfied until we don't have any suicides, but I have complete trust and faith in Army medicine and our behavioral health care specialists and what they are doing for our Army and the nation.
0: Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, is there anyone on the line who wasn't able to ask the question yet? Oh Yes, I'm sorry. This is uh, Joyce Tsai
6: um, with Stars and Stripes. I'm sorry, earlier I had the mute button on, and I couldn't get to it in time Um, when you'd ask the question. But, yeah, just to clarify, uh, I know you'd said that it was a full day's uh, training in suicide prevention, and I was just curious, is that, you know, for the actual, um, you know, soldier, does that mean they will be sitting in a full day's worth of training, or that it'll be broken down in shifts, like, um, in which, you know, they're staggered among the various individuals?
1: It's a full day's worth of training uh, okay,
6: so, for mm-hmm.
1: Army for Army soldiers, Department of the Army civilians who choose okay. to participate, and family members.
6: Okay. So you're actually um, going, offering up an open invitation to all family members to also attend these um, the, these uh, sessions of training.
1: Yeah, family members were invited to attend uh, tomorrow's suicide stand down.
6: Okay. Okay. And you had talked yourself about, you know, the importance of leadership sharing their own stories of grappling with PTSD and um, other issues. And I wondered if you could just give us like a brief glimpse into some of the things that you ex- you had yourself experienced and how you feel that might help others to cope with. Um, sure. You know. Yeah.
1: I'd be happy to. Uh, around 2004, on June 30th at 1,600 in the afternoon in Baghdad, Iraq, a 122-millimeter uh, rocket came into my room when I was standing there and blew up. And, uh, you know, knocked me around a bit, but I had to kind of face my own mortality. And uh, in doing that, I made some decisions uh, from an emotional standpoint to basically turn my feelings off and... Uh, detach myself from, uh, from an emotional aspect. And in doing that, I put myself in a position over a period of years where uh, I became less attached to those things that are important in my life, my family, uh, my wife, uh, and focus solely on the thing that I could control, which was my work environment. And uh, that had a really uh, negative effect on me, to the point where I was really in a downward spiral and and started to make some very poor decisions um, in life. And uh, I got to a place where I uh, needed help, and uh, with the help of some friends and loved ones, uh, recognized that and spent about two years in uh, almost weekly behavioral health counseling. What's important out of all of that is um, that when I was uh, interviewed to be the Sergeant Major of the Army by General Casey at the time, I told him, when he asked me, is there something that I need to know about, Uh, the thing that came to my mind, which is related to the stigma, is, well, sir, I need you to know that I've been DA for healthcare counseling for the past two years. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, "Uh, actually, I see that as a... As a strength, and I would ask if you can to talk about it with uh, soldiers and families if you're selected. Ultimately, he chose me for the job, and uh, it's been uh, part of what I've done over the last, uh, I don't know, 18 or 20 months to to talk about it as much as possible as we travel around and to try and be that example that we talk about, that I could be the Sergeant Major of the Army after two years of intensive, almost weekly behavioral health counseling, Uh, And and ultimately, I'm a better person, I'm a better father, I'm a better husband, which in turn helps me to be a better soldier. And uh, and that's really um, what I think is important for soldiers to know. Thank you.
0: Sure. Thank you. Um, And thank you, everyone, for your great questions and participation. Uh, We now turn the floor back over to Sergeant Major Chandler for any closing remarks.
1: Well, I really just want to tell you thank you for the opportunity to uh, spend some time with you. And what I said in the beginning uh, is really kind of the same thing I want to sum up. We ask soldiers to do something that we don't ask anyone else in the world to do. That's close with and destroy the enemy, which means as a soldier to take a human life. That is a degree of performance that is incredibly high. As we look forward to the future, we want to create the culture. We are going to change the culture that says, as part of maintaining that high level of performance, it is completely the right thing to do to seek behavioral health care, to help you to continue to be that better soldier that we ask you to be. We're working towards that. We've got a long way to go, Uh, but with the help of the nation, with the help of our soldiers, with the help of our families and our extremely dedicated Department of the Army civilians, we're going to get there. This is preventable. It is something uh, that we can uh, overcome, but together as an Army team, we're going to do it. And uh, I'm excited about what tomorrow represents, but more importantly, about the focus and attention that we're going to get from this as we move forward in the future. So I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it with you. And if there are any follow-up questions, I'd ask you to get with uh, the uh, Office of the Chief of Public Affairs, and we'll follow up. Thanks very much. Thank you. Um,
0: Thank you, Sergeant Major, for speaking with us today on such an important issue to the Army and our nation. Information and resources on suicide prevention, please visit www.army.mil. Ready and resilient. Again, thank you for your participation, and this ends our roundtable for today.